0: that you're going to help us today. We, we need it. We need your help. You are our helper. And we thank you that you're helping us, that you're bringing understanding, you're bringing revelation, you're bringing encouragement, you're challenging us, you're stirring us. And we thank you that today we will leave here changed, not because of Pastor Brian's preaching, but because the power of the Holy Ghost is on the word that we preach. And I thank you that you bring, Father, revelation. It's our job to receive it by faith and mix faith with it and be transformed into just hearing only, but also going out and doing. So, we ask you to help us today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn with me. We're going to uh, kind of touch on some of the things that we dealt with on on Wednesday night. Now, if you were here on Wednesday, uh, I believe that the Lord ministered to you and uh, helped you. And if you weren't here on Wednesday. Uh, I believe that the Lord can help you again this morning. I'm not going to reteach the exact thing that I spoke on Wednesday, but the Lord has put this on my heart to try to Lay this foundation again, and then uh, kind of stretch it out a little bit further. So, First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-two, and we're going to talk a little bit this morning about becoming something uh, that we uh, haven't really been maybe before. You know, it's important for us to understand. Uh, you know, Nick and Mandy just had their baby, and. Uh, you know while while the pregnancy was developing and going on, baby Frankie was being formed in the womb. and And so technically speaking, Nick and Mandy uh, were a mother and were a father. But once baby Frankie was here, it's real. It's going to start crying. It's going to start eating. It's going to start pooping. It's going to start peeing. It's real life. We're we're now mother and father, and we may not know how to be a mom or a dad, but it's just about time for us to be, amen, what we've become. Now, you've heard that saying before, and so we're supposed to be strong and powerful in the Spirit and in God, and I believe it's about high time that we actually be what it is that we've become. We've become triumphant and victorious, conquered more than. The Bible says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And so it's about time for us, amen, Amen. to actually live victoriously, triumphantly, and more than a conqueror. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe it. It's time. Amen. Amen. So we see in the Old Testament this picture of David. He is hanging out in a cave of Adullam. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers in all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Now it's important that we see the second verse because when you're going to pioneer a work and when you're going to build men and you're going out and purposing in God to do something for him, I think it's important for you to gather a certain type of folk to you, amen? I mean, people that are able to do whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And so we see these type of people coming to David in the cave. And it says, and everyone who is in distress, oh crap, we started off on a bad foot. Everyone who was in distress. hmm. Everyone who was in debt. Oh, the money's going to get tight. Everyone who was discontented or of a weary soul, a weary spirit, a bitter soul. Everyone who was in distress. Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So the Bible says that he became the captain over them and there were about 400 with him total. So we see these men coming to David. And so those of you who have studied the word and those of you have gone through the scriptures and seen this before, uh, you've heard of David's mighty men, but they didn't start out that way, did they? They started out distressed. They started out in debt and they started out bitter in their soul or discontented. And David was made the captain over them, 400 in all. Now, if you turn over just one chapter to 1 Samuel 23, you can see, uh, according to the Word of God, we'll pick it up for the sake of time, Uh, let's see here, verse 8, then Saul said, excuse me, Saul called all the people, 1 Samuel 23, verse 8, Saul called all the people together for war, to go down to Killil and to besiege David and his men. So when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here, verse 10. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come and to destroy this city for my sake. And he says, should we go on? And the Lord says, yeah, you should go on. And then the Bible continues to go on and talk about what had happened and how they triumphed in the land and they overcame. And the Bible goes on to continue to talk to us about how many people were there and they went and they ministered and they served and they killed and they drove out and they they just took care of all of the issues that they were facing yes as we read this story the bible tells us that there were 600 men with david so he's grown praise god he's moved the people from distress he's moved the people from debt and discontent to a growing living thriving army yeah 13, it says, so David and his men, about 600, 600. Everybody say growth. So David went from 400 people in a cave to 600 people out on a battlefield. Yeah? Now, if you'll remember for the sake of time, 2 Samuel chapter 23, I want you to, want you to see this quickly because I think that it's important for us to get it. Amen? How many of you think it's important for us to see the scriptures? Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible talks to us in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and he goes on in the 8th verse. We're not going to pick up the whole thing, but it says, these are the names of the mighty men of David. And he goes through and he lists some of these men and their names, and he lists some of the things that they did. One man killed 300 people with a spear. One man killed so many people that his hand stuck to the sword. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, just killing people. So this, this book tells us of these mighty men, and then we get through to the end of the chapter, and we see all these things that these men have done. Second Samuel 23, toward the very end, he goes on and he says to us that there are only 37 people total. 37 people. 39. He says 37 in all. David had 400 men come to him in a cave with nothing to offer him. See, what happens in the body of Christ today is many people are using the people, ministers, are using the people to build ministry. But God said, use the ministry to build the people. And so David is using the anointing, the gifting, the grace that God has put on his life. The Bible tells us that Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house, Saul, the son, said, no, 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 you, you, you got any more kids? You have any more men here? Because I know the Lord told me to come to your house. You're Jesse the Bethlehem man, right? Yeah, 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 that's me. Okay, well, where's your other children? Where are your other men? And he said, well, you, you mean David, the one who's out keeping the sheep? Yeah, bring him to me. And the Lord told him, Samuel as he saw the young lad approaching he said that's the one Anoint him as the king of Israel so the Bible tells us that there's this private anointing ceremony where Jesse and David and the other brothers are pulled off with the prophet of God Samuel and here in front of the elders some of the elders that were present and here in front of this, these, these brothers who no doubt would be like why in the world are you doing this to the boy he might even still have sheep poop on him we don't even know and so there may still be dung and mess on him. And so the, the prophet takes the horn of oil and dumps it on him. And he said, today you're the, you're the anointed king of Israel. Awesome, right? right. And the Bible tells us something that's very, very, very powerful regarding this anointing, this ceremony, where the Spirit of God came upon David. The Bible says in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, stayed upon him from that day forward. From that day forward. So there's an anointing on David in the cave to take people who are distressed and who are in debt and who are discontented or bitter in their soul and to turn them into something and so we see 400 people move to 600 people. We have growth and we don't know what all happened but we know that people continue to come to David. But when we get to the end David's David's time as a warrior is coming to a close. And the Bible says there's only 37 left. Only 37 left. See, just because you're in the cave with the man of God doesn't mean you've given your life to follow the direction that God has for you. And it doesn't mean, I believe all 600 of them were supposed to become mighty men of valor. Something happened in the process of time, something happened in that cave that moved them from being you know, distressed, indebted, and discontent to going out and getting people and saying, come around this captain of ours, come around this man of God of ours. The Bible records again that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David as a teenager and stayed with him forever, it didn't depart from him. There's a gifting in this man. There's an anointing in this man. So come and be a part of what's going on. Growth and all of a sudden, when it's all said and done, you have 37 people. What happened to the other 563? Now in today's era, (laughs) one would look at David and say, you're not that good of a pastor, bro. You had 500 people going to your church. I mean, 500 people under your command only 37 of your 500 made it you know the Lord was dealing with me as I was traveling over the ocean Uh, I went over the polar caps over the North Pole and it was wild because I've traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and flown probably a couple hundred times in I've never been up over the North Pole and and it was about that time where the internet stopped working and I thought, slick. And you could, you could physically feel the inside temperature of the aircraft went to super cold. And it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that something outside was changing. And it was affecting what was going on on the inside. And so the Lord was speaking to me and I was thinking about Christians. And I was thinking about when we come into Jesus, when we come into relationship with him... Something on the inside of us changed. Amen. We became brand new, born again, recreated by God and the Spirit. We became the dwelling place of God where He can come and tabernacle inside of us. And as I quoted already, we were being built in the Spirit by God Himself, a edifice, a building, a structure for the tabernacle and worship and the presence of the Lord. But what happens is things begin to take place in our life. And if we're not careful, things on the outside can start to cool off and quench what happened on the inside. It's, it can. It doesn't have to, but it can begin to change the atmosphere. The temperature of our fervency for the Lord can begin to wane if we're not careful simply because of what's happening around outside of us in culture or in human history or what's going on in politics or what's going on in the financial realm or in your life or your job situation or your relationship or with your children and if you're not careful, if you don't put a watch over that thing, soon you'll begin to wane in your spirit and you won't be so hot and fiery and on fire for the Lord and passionate for Him and I just believe with all of my heart that I can't stand as your pastor and allow for that to happen to you. I take serious what the Word of God says that on the day of judgment, I will stand and give an account for myself. And I will stand and I will give an account for my children. And then I'll stand and I'll give an account for my, for my flock, for the, those that I was their pastor. It's just what the Bible says. I'm supposed to Give instruction and, and order my children after me, so I have to live a life that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost because I 'm a person who's been born again, but then I have to follow the Lord in His word and to the best of my ability push my children to know him and to serve him and to love him and to see people who are lost and hurting and see people who are broken and beat up and abused and taken advantage of by the world and say, these are the ones that need the physician these are the ones that get our time and get our prayer amen and so I have to teach them to follow after the order of the word of God and I have to model that for them you fathers in this place today you'll stand and give an account for how you've led your children in this earth now we'll get to that later because it's not super fun but I also have to stand in front of Jesus And I have to say, I don't know, Lord, what happened to the other 563. They said they were with me. I could number them. I saw them. They sat in the chair. I mean, they were in the cave. When someone asked them, they said, yeah, 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 that's my church. He's my pastor. Everybody wants to be a preacher. (laughs) Yeah, we want want the pulpit so we can preach, because I got something to say. Honey, you probably don't have anything to say. In addition to that, let's talk a little bit later and find out what it actually means to be a preacher, the significance of what it means to have to stand in this office, which, by the way, I didn't choose. That's your first problem. Most people are trying to choose. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a preacher. I want to be a teacher. I just believe I didn't get to choose this. My choice was obey or disobey. See, I have to stand and give an account for you, and it's just not okay for me to to see the interior temperature, the spiritual thermostat, begin to lower in your life. Not without trying to do something about it. Now, I don't want to live with you, but if I did, it would be different. It would be weird. See, it would be weird if I lived with them. I can't control what they do when I'm not there. Here's, here's more information. I can't control what they do when I'm right here. See, we're working together together. We're working together. There's a spiritual head and a body that is joint and knit and and fashioned by the Lord himself and says, I want you to be a part of this family. I want you to be a part of this body. I want you to bring in whatever it is. The Bible tells us that Peter is writing, he said, if you've received a gift then let us minister it according to the grace that's on our life, each one ministering what it is that the Lord has given them. But what happens in the cave sometimes is, when we're in the process of growing and in the process of developing and in the process of becoming something that we weren't before, we can get offended. Because it's super awesome when pastor tells everybody else to do something, but when it comes to my front door, well, he's a jerk and he doesn't like people. He's just in it for the money. I got a real funny joke to tell you. He's just in it for the money. (sighs) Lord, help me, Jesus. (laughs) What are you going to do in the process of developing and in the process of growth? Are you going to get a hard heart? Are you going to get bitter? Are you going to get angry? Are you going to get offended? Are you going to get judgmental and point a finger and say, he's just a man, he doesn't know anything? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, I never said that I wasn't a man. But I'm not just a man. Oh, and by the way, neither are you. You're just not a human. Paul the Apostle said it this way. He said, when you walk and talk like the world, don't you know that you're living just like the world? And aren't you not more than just a mere man or woman? Oh, yeah, I'm a male, but I'm not just a man. Any more than you are just a man. We're the children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High God, according to the words of the Bible, we're kings and priests unto God, according to the words of the Bible, we rule and reign in this life and the life that is going to come. Hello, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're we're fully fashioned and thoroughly equipped for every good work according to the word of God. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We've been called out to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness and put us into his marvelous light. I was pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into transferred, picked up and carried over and plopped in to the kingdom of the son of his love. I've got something to do in this life and I am certainly not not just a mere man. I'm God-possessed. The God of all the universe is dwelling on the inside of me, and I am so much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside, and so are you. In the process of growing and developing, in the process of being stretched and becoming this mighty man or woman of God, You don't have to get a spear and start killing people, although, again, it would kind of be cool. But there's some different things that we can do in the earth, like standing and being the priest of our homes. Amen. Standing and being a mature sister in the Lord and teaching younger women how to be pure and how to be chaste and how to keep a home and how to raise children and how to take care. Now, women aren't just supposed to stay at home. We're all supposed to stay home. Amen. Amen. This isn't chauvinism. The word supersedes whatever is going on in the, the earth that's happening today. You want to say that this is old and outdated and chauvinistic? Fine. I don't care. God said that women should stay at home, but not just stay at home because God also said, so God's confused. God also said they should go consider a field and buy it. So you men who want to throw your wife under your thumb, you need to get born again and realize that your responsibility is to love her as Christ loved the church and give your life for her. But also, according to the word of God, women, your wife, our wives, were made to be the glory of man. That's what the word said. Amen? So if there are a glory, then we should honor them and reverence them and and, and, and give them affection and attention that's due them. Amen. Yeah. We're just moving right along. There are things that we can do as mighty men and as mighty women of God that aren't just killing things, although some of us would like to at some time. In the process of growth and development, maybe you're here today and you say, you're, you're not my pastor. And that's fine. That's no shock to me. You're not going to catch me off guard. Oh, wow, I didn't know. I know who receives me as a pastor and who doesn't. I'm not stupid. I'm not as stupid as you think that I am. I may be from Durand, but I'm not as dumb as most of the people that I live to. Anyway, what I'm saying is, is that I can tell. I know who's hooked up. I know who really receives me as their pastor or who just says I go to the church and listen to the preacher preach. I've been doing this 23 years. I didn't fall out of the turnip truck yesterday and decide to hang a shingle and start doing something for Jesus. Amen. Preaching, by the way, is not what I do the most. What I do the most is I watch people. I'm not just watching people like a creeper, I'm, I'm gauging people's relationship with the Lord. I'm supposed to. I'm watching over you to give an account for yourself. That's what the Bible says. So I'm not judging and saying, oh Jim, I just don't like Jim. I'm not sure what Jim's problem is. Jim. No, I'm watching. How hot is he for God? How fervent is he for the Lord and for his house and for his word? And Where is, where is, his, where is his heart? Here's one that people really love. Where is his money? Everybody went, oh crap, get my purse. <laughs> He's coming after the money. Where's his money? Where's his time? The Bible says I'm supposed to do all these things. The Bible says I'm supposed to watch over you. Not lord over you, but monitor. So that way I know, you know what, I think, Gretchen, you're in the front row, so I apologize. Gretchen just needs a little extra prayer this week something she says amen every day something's going something's going on so we need to lift her up in prayer she didn't need to tell me everything that's going on i'm not dense to this i'm paying attention so we need to pray so in the process of being in the cave and being developed if i come to you and say hey i've been noticing that your church attendance is sliding I've been noticing that your fervency for God, his house, and his word has been sliding. I've been noticing that you're scattered on your tithing and scattered on your service and scattered on your growth. You used to be growing, but now we're just kind of not. One of the first things that happens if the person isn't truly submitted to God and truly submitted to God's word is offense. I'm only, Who do you think you are? I thought I was your pastor. I thought I was the one who is watching out for you. I thought I was the person placed in your life with a gifting from God because I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost to do what it is that I'm doing. I didn't pick it. He picked me. I didn't choose it. He chose me, and we're going to look at Ephesians 4 in just a moment, so you can turn there in case you don't know where it is. Ephesians 4 tells us that he set me in the place that I'm in. I I didn't choose it, but I thought that I was in your life to make sure that you weren't one of the 563 that at the end of it all, had no power and had no authority and had no ability. And by the way, the Bible says that those who watch over your soul ought to do it with joy. In other words, you ought to serve in such a way that it's a blessing to me. (sighs) This isn't man worship. This is, I've I've got it. I get this. This is simple. I understand. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Not just males, but humanity. Nine, now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Ten, he says, and he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself, who did it? No, but who are we talking about? Who's the he himself? Jesus. Not Pastor Brian. He himself, Jesus himself, gave some. Jesus did it. I didn't do it. If you don't like it, you can go someplace else. But I'm not a hireling. I'm going to tell you the truth. As long as you're here, I'm going to do my very best to make sure that you're not one of those who just sat around in the cave but didn't get developed into who it is and what it is that you're supposed to be. That would be an excellent time for you to be like, thank you, pastor, because I'm not here for the money, honey. <laughs> One of these days, I'll tell you that I took a fairly substantial paycheck cut for the right to be able to serve Jesus Christ, and I don't regret it a single day of my life. I said I don't regret it a single day of my life. He gave some to be 11 apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He did it for a reason, for the equipping of the saints so that way they can do the work of the ministry. Well, I just don't think I should serve in church. Well, Jesus is wrong. Okay, just to to verify, he himself, who was he himself? Jesus Jesus set some in the church. He placed these in the church, right? That's what it said, that there would be some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and he said that they would be what? Fully equipped, that they would be developed, that they would grow, right? Are you here equipping the saints for what? For the work of the ministry, I don't think I should serve in the body of Christ. I don't think that I should serve in the helps ministry. I don't think that I should push a vacuum. I'm too good to do this. I'm too good to do that. I got too much of an anointing on my life to greet at the door. Well, Jesus was wrong. He must be crazy. Because Certainly you couldn't be wrong. For the edifying of the body of Christ, I'm supposed to build you up. I'm supposed to strengthen you. I'm supposed to lift you. I'm supposed to make you into something that you weren't when you came Why? Because Jesus put me in this place to help you. No, I'm not crazy. You don't belong to me. You belong to Jesus. I never died for you, and I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. I mean, wholesale, the lot of you would be like, (laughs) no. Never mind. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm mostly speaking to the people on Facebook, not you guys. But this is going to happen for how long? I'm glad you asked. 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So in other words, until Jesus comes back. Amen. Amen. So I've been put here by Jesus to do this job, and it's supposed to be a blessing in your life. Amen? Yep. Supposed to be a blessing to you. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 5, it says, after that, now Samuel's talking to Saul. He's just anointed him to be the king. He says that uh, after that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument and tambourine and flute and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Now the prophet of God is speaking to the just anointed king of Israel, and he says, these are some things that are going to happen. These are going to be signs to you that you truly are the man that God is desiring for you to become. You're going to end up being the king. You've been anointed to do this. And here are some things that you're going to encounter and some things that you're going to see. You'll come to this place and you'll see the men of God coming down from a high hill. And they'll be playing instruments and they'll be prophesying there. Interesting. Reading on in the Scripture, verse 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. And I love this phrase, and be turned into another man. Be turned into another person. You're going to come around the anointed priests of God. The Bible says that I'm one of those. Amen. This isn't me tooting my horn. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm an anointed priest of God. You're going to come around the anointed priest of God and they'll be prophesying. There there ought to be a move of the Holy Ghost in church. Amen? We ought to see people prophesying. Now, not not prediction, but New Testament, because that's where we're living, in the New Testament, which the Bible tells us very plainly that the the gift of prophecy is given by the Holy Spirit for the the edification or the building of the strength or the encouragement of the whole entire body, and that prophecy, according to the New Testament, is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. There's no prediction here. Thank There's no, the Lord shows me and there's no revelation required. We don't have time to get into that today. But according to the word, prophecy is for edification, exhortation and comfort. You can argue with me all you want to. All the schools of prophecy and all the prophetic conferences that are going on, like them or lump them, I don't care. The Bible is what I'm going to believe. Not some dude who can prophesy. Hello. And the Bible says what edification, exhortation and comfort. So I don't need anybody telling me what kind of shirt I wore yesterday. I don't need you to tell me where I live. I already know that and I'm aware of what color shirt I had on yesterday. Are you here? What I need is someone to edify me, exhort me, and comfort me. Amen. I don't want to get fruity, flaky, and weird. I want the gifts of the Spirit functioning in my life and in our church and in your life. Amen. The Holy Ghost is here to help us. I can't even tell you how many times the Holy Ghost gives me a word of knowledge. I can't even tell you how many times the Lord will say, "You'll, you'll want to do that. In like a stupid head, I go, nah. And then I get to the place I'm heading, and I'm like, crap, I wanted to do that. I really did want to do that, and I didn't even pay attention. He's there to help me. He's there to help you. He's helping us. The Holy Ghost is in your life for more than just praying in tongues. I'm not ashamed of praying in tongues. I do it all the time. But I need the Holy Ghost to move. And in the house of God where the men and women of God are, where the giftings of callings of God are, there ought to be prophesying and singing and dancing and playing and shouting if you're into it. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you too can prophesy, praise God. But there's something that happens when you get into the presence of God. Around the anointed men and women of God, and the Spirit of the Lord is able to get on, si- on the inside of you and then begin to move on you and begin to minister to you, you're supposed to be turned into another person. Church is where God has chosen to build Christians. <laughs> you're going to love this. Not the internet. Not the internet. You can go on Google and you can go look up and YouTube all the everything you want to. Church is where God builds. It's the factory that God builds Christians. That's the whole point. Why? Because the Bible says that he gave some to be, Ephesians 4, he gave some to be. And when he did that, he did it for a reason. And one of the reasons was to equip you. Just imagine an assembly line today you got a shell of a vehicle coming down the assembly line. And you got someone inevitably at that point of the assembly line who starts to put in all the equipment. They're putting in the radio and they're fashioning in the, the HVAC system and the blower motor and, and all the controls and the modules and the switches and the, and the doohickeys and the whatchamacallits. You're being built, you're having the equipment Installed the anointing comes on a man. Jesus set them into the church as he pleased and as he wills to equip you. You're moving on down the line, and the Lord's beginning to plug things into you and install things into you that you might not even imagine were ever going to be there to begin with. I had to write a paper for my uh latest class that I just finished up, and uh, I started out the paper was saying. I would have never dreamed in a million years that a little kid from Nowersville, Midwestern, tiny little crap hole of a town would be, (laughs) my bad, except for the ozaniches would go all over the world and preach the gospel. I, I just can't even imagine it. It's just crazy to me. But I got around men and women of God, who were able to fashion me and impart into me and to equip me. And when I was in the presence of God and the Spirit of God was moving, the Spirit of God came upon me. And in those moments of spending time in church, in the factory where God builds Christians, those of you who are in church at least ought to say amen, I was turned into someone else. I was turned into something that I wasn't Before. The local church. God is looking to build you as Christians. Amen. He's looking to form and fashion you. He's looking to equip you. And there are going to be times when you might say, I don't even know why I'm volunteering. I hate that word. It's a swear word. I don't know why I'm offering to minister in this capacity. I don't even know why I'm offering to serve Jesus here. I don't even like it. You're just being turned into somebody else. If you don't like the Bible, I'm not sorry. But I'll pray for you. Well, I just don't think I'm gifted to do that. I just don't think I feel led to do that. A friend of mine had someone tell him that they didn't feel led to do that, so he took his weapon out, popped the bullet out of the clip, tossed it at him, and said, rub that the whole entire way from here to the nursery. You'll be able to feel led for a while. That was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought that was funny. He literally went clip, popped out here, rub that, you'll feel lead. This isn't, this isn't about feeling lead. Most of the Christians that go to other churches I've heard, they don't know the difference between their flesh and their spirit of God. So I don't trust those Christians to be led to do something. I just trust them to get plugged in and figure it out while they go, while they go, while they go. Start doing, not you, you, you guys are stellar. But I've heard of places where Christians don't know the difference. And so, praise God, we're building in the factory of God. We're building men and women of God who are going to make it through the battles and make it through the, the valleys and make it through the dark days and make it through the summer months and make it through the winter and make it through all the obstacles. And when it gets done at the very end, Jesus is going to say, New Creation Church of Owasso, you're, you're on deck. And I'm going to look around, there's going to be more than 37 of us. Aren't I? What's happening in the cave? In life, I've noticed what happens. And, and here's something that, that is a perfect example of having a pastor, having a, a, a person who can help you. In my life with the Lord, in my walk with Jesus. And by the way, if you don't know me and you think that I'm arrogant, I'm not. What? (laughs) If you do know me like my cousin and you think that I'm arrogant, I'm gonna shoot you. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not arrogant. But I know who God has made me to be, and I've made my calling in my election, sure. And the Bible says, because I do this, Peter said, you're not going to stumble. Sure. Yeah. When, be, when you do that, when you know who and what you are, and you walk in it, then you'll never stumble. How many could use some never stumbling in your life? Yeah. But I remember in my walk with Jesus Christ, there have been times where it was like the power and the presence and the fire of God were just on me and I thought, my God, if it doesn't light up, I am let up, excuse me, I'm going to light up. I'm going to just burst into flames. Anybody ever been there before? It's just like the Lord is talking to you and talking to you and talking to you and you just feel your inside is just getting stretched and stretched. You're like, oh my goodness, I am growing in leaps and bounds. Thank you, Jesus. I can't do this on my own. And then all of a sudden, everybody say all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, stop. It's all cold, and there's no voice. And what the crap? Where'd you go? What happened? How come heaven just got quiet on me? Am I alone? Oh, so you've experienced that too. See, if you come into a season in your life where God isn't doing something through you, and you're not in sin, I'll put that disclaimer out, chances are super high it's because He's doing something in you. And when he gets done doing something in you, then he's going to start to do something through you again. How many of you have gone through that? And we've called it a valley. And oh man, I just, I don't know what was going on. But it was like I was hot for God and God was talking to me. And it was like every hiccup that I sent up to heaven, he was opening up heaven and earth. And everything was changing. And then pow, all of a sudden I'm just like, do you even know who I am? Where did you go? Anybody ever felt that before? But then inevitably, at the other end of it, it's like, here it comes again, and heaven is open, and he's talking to me, and I'm growing, and say, yes, anybody ever experienced that before? Well, it's, God's doing something in you, and that's a season that you're in where he's looking to see what you'll do with all the stuff that he was just showing you putting inside of you, revealing to you, depositing inside of you. And so what happens is people go into these seasons of I'm super hot for God and God is moving and talking and ministering and showing me all these things and my God, the Christian life is the best thing in the world. And then nothing. So then we say, well, I'm not going to church. Why is it always, always, always the first attack of the enemy. You do something stupid and people see it. You fail this way or fail that way or you do this or don't do that. Why is it the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, I'm not going to church? <laughs> That's interesting. I'm not going to go to church. I wonder why. Because this is the factory. This is the factory. And according to the Word of God, there are elders in the house and these elders are able, they're, they're, they're quality inspectors. They're looking and saying, hey, we need to adjust this just a little bit. We need to tweak that just a little bit. You know what? That's not fitting just right. Let's, let's pull that person out for a minute and just sit and talk with them. What's going on? What, what, what battles are you going through? What obstacles are you facing right now? Well, let's minister to you and let's get that just right so that way we can plug you back in. If the quality control people, they're inspecting and paying attention. No one's judging you. I got better things to do than judge you. I just, I got better things to do than point fingers at you. But it's interesting that the first thing that happens in that moment when it seems like heaven gets quiet and it's like things just stop working is, well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm just going to quit going to church. I'm going to figure this out. That would be really bad. That'd be dumb with a capital D. What you do in those moments is you run to the house of God and you say, I'm going to show you that I'm faithful. You've been talking to me. You've been been revealing things to me, depositing things inside of me, stretching me, asking more of me, checking to see my level of commitment, checking to see my level of want to and my desire. I'm showing you that my want to is strong, and I'm not going to back off of this. Even when heaven seems quiet and the earth seems hard and cold, I'm going to just do the things that I know to do and keep marching on and marching on and marching on. Amen? Because guess what is going to happen to you? You're going to go through another time where everything works. And everything just seems to fit and work and feel right. And then you're going to go through another time where things just don't seem to work. It's like everything's left-handed. Everything's the opposite handed. You got a handful of thumbs. You just can't seem to put it together. Don't quit. Stay plugged in. Don't back off. Press in. Don't give up. Double down. Double down. What's interesting is that's not the devil. Remember what I was talking about? I've heard of Christians at other churches that they don't know the difference between their flesh and the spirit. So, I don't trust other Christians, not you guys, but Christians I've heard of. I don't trust them to really be led because they don't know the difference. See, I always, I learned a long time ago, I always check my leadings. I always check a leading that I have in my spirit with my man of God, with my pastor. Always, always, always. You might say, well, you're a baby and you need to grow up. That's fine, but I'm winning, I'm not making tons of mistakes. Because as long as I'm under a covering of leadership and checking my leadings, I can have someone say, no, I don't think that'll work. I'm talking about me now. I'm not even talking about you or the other Christians that I've heard of. I'm talking about me. It's amazing how many decisions people make without checking their leadings. Anyway, that ain't even the devil. The devil isn't even causing you to go through that valley. No one's causing you to go through the valley. It's just a growth spurt, and then it stopped, and now it's proving not God testing you, you proving what you're worth, proving your mettle, proving your tenacity, proving your consistency, proving, here's a cuss word, proving your faithfulness. It's going to lift, it's going to end, you'll get plugged back into that sweet spot, and, oh yeah, that feels good again. Hey, everything's working, praise God. I believe that the Lord wants us to not be affected by the, the atmosphere on the outside. He wants us to be faithful and remain Remember I told you on Wednesday night, what is required, everybody say the word required. What is required of a steward of the Lord is that they be found faithful. Faithful on whose grounds? Probably not man's. Faithful on whose? Yeah, on God's grounds. Where pastors get into a problem is they believe, they believe they think that they're the standard. So they live under this unbearable pressure that I got to be perfect and I got to be right and I can't be a human and my kids can't be human because God forbid that my kid would run in the church because, you know, after all, I'm, I'm the standard. I can't do it. No, I'm not the standard. Jesus is the standard. I'm, I'm an example. I'm, I'm an example. I'm not the only. I'm one example but I refuse to allow anybody to make me jump through hoops. Are you here? I'm not going to go off and perform and do a dance just to try to prove to you that I'm the standard, because I'm not. Jesus is. You may come to me afterwards and be like, we want to talk to you about your clothing choices. That's fine. I'm not your standard. Dress how Jesus did. I dare you to wear a dress next Sunday. I just flat out dare you to. Don't wear no underwear. Don't wear no shoes. Just wear sandals and get yourself a robe. And let's just see how fantastic you want to be just like Jesus. (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you for the word today. Lord, I thank you that you want us to be developed and grow up, be mature. You want us to go on to perfection and be all that you want us to be. We all have room for improvement. We all have room for growth. We thank you that you're doing it in us and through us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen.